0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Block Party. Today, we talk about the war currently unfolding after the invasion of Ukraine by Russian forces, as well as the reaction of the general crypto market to the news. We also talk about the adoption and mobilization of cryptocurrencies to finance the war and as a way to circumvent sanctions put in place by allied nations against Russia's actions. Cryptocurrencies are on full display as nation states use them to advance their agendas during times of war, Do not miss this episode. And as always, follow us on Twitter at It's Block Party. Block Party is a tech culture podcast. We do tech for the people. We cover topics ranging from cryptocurrencies, blockchain, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, and more. Our guests include entrepreneurs, creatives, and influencers. Black Party takes a unique view of tech through the lens of the people living it. Black Party is tech culture.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Block Party. My name is Chris Wong, and you're also joined by Ziga Gabor. And today we are going to talk about some of the more prevalent news that's been happening this week. Um, obviously, Ukraine has been on the mind of many people in terms of economics, in terms of politics. And obviously, we just want to start this whole entire episode saying that our hearts and our minds are with the people who are directly impacted by the events of the ukrainian crisis that is going on right now but more specifically to the point of why we gathered here to talk today is we want to talk about the economic impact when it comes to obviously cryptocurrency when it comes to blockchain and when it comes to the tech sector as a whole um i've done a lot of reading on what's been happening uh in ukraine and i'm very interested in various opinions and just sourcing what the general community has been thinking when it comes to uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency when it comes to this uh, particular sector of the world. And it's been part of a growing narrative about how cryptocurrency can be used to mitigate a lot of what's happening over there, how certain players and actors have been using cryptocurrency as a whole. And one of the more prevailing narratives that I've seen Uh, across the board z and uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i see a lot of people noting how the dip across uh prices in cryptocurrency so the major layer ones bitcoin ethereum solana avalanche the, the major ones have all taken a major hit uh to their uh to their uh price points right now and it's leading a lot of people to show that or a lot of people to say that Cryptocurrency isn't the safe haven that a lot of people have said it was initially. Um, That it's not politically or real world resistant as a lot of people had envisioned crypto to be. Uh, I have my own personal opinions on this. But Z, what, what have you been seeing in regards to the nature of this Ukrainian crisis when it comes to our particular sector?
0: Well, when you say particular sector, you mean crypto?
1: Well, crypto, blockchain general economics as a whole but when it comes to the tech sector and how cryptocurrency intersects with it
0: right well in regards to the uh crypto market capitalization slump i think they're unrelated (laughs) if we're referring to the russia ukraine uh, war or crisis then i definitely don't think they're related however uh, you know it's kind of kind of serendipitous in 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 a way just because I do think that crypto was already due for a bear market, or at least some sort of retracement or correction. If we really look at it, uh, BTC is probably at like a 60% correction right now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if my um, my little calculator is correct here, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so something like that, and I do think that it was due for a correction, so right now with just the market generally being in a bear market i think that it kind of makes sense however do i think that because ukraine attack or i'm sorry because russia invaded ukraine there's some sort of like innate connection between the two no i think the fundamentals for bitcoin are actually stronger than ever in fact um amidst the sensationalist headlines like hey bitcoin crypto's collapse you know um Slump, uh, you know, Bitcoin goes to zero, etc. Those sensationalist headlines. There's a little bit of truth sprinkled in, right? Where we see some of the stuff you mentioned a little bit more subtly. Um, how Russia might be able to use cryptocurrencies to avoid U.S. sanctions, for instance. And also, I don't know if you've seen, but Bitcoin donations to the Ukrainian military and support have poured in. So people have donated over right now as of five hours ago, so probably more by now, have donated over $400,000 in crypto to the Ukrainian army. So you see the use case of crypto being headlined across the world right now, right? If you can read between the lines. So I think crypto is actually stronger than ever. Because now we have geopolitical, large-scale use cases for this thing, you know? like And people are, it's always been there. But now people are seeing it on display. At least the smart people.
1: Absolutely, but you know I've read some prevailing thoughts about this um, in regards to how cryptocurrency could help generate uh, funds and economic for places like Ukraine that are going through crisis. Uh, Obviously, we've we've always talked about the use case scenario of uh, blockchain and this technology helping. Uh, disenfranchised uh, regions of the world be able to maintain economic independence without having to be reliant on the fiat structures that are prevalent across the world. Um, There are some people who feel like this uh, use of cryptocurrency, however, may embolden places like Russia to be able to circumvent the sanctions that have been occurring. And More specifically, and this is where I come in from my angle when I look at this, is there's a very popular um, podcast that I personally follow run by a man named Dmitry Kofinas, and he interviewed a man named Bill Browder, who talked about his experience running one of the largest foreign investment capital funds in Russia back during the 90s, before Putin basically seized all funds from the oligarchs. Um, But to summarize a very long story short, uh, Russia uses or specifically Putin and the Kremlin, uses a lot of oligarchs around the world to be able to move large amounts of funds back into Russian uh, economic hands. And this is a very prevailing thing. I didn't realize this was a very big thing, but when it comes to it, it's like there are a lot of Russian oligarchs and you got to understand the relationship between Putin and these oligarchs. And some are saying that the the existence of cryptocurrency may negatively impact the nato nato and the greater world's ability to sanction uh russia because they'll be able to um move these funds out of these international markets back into russia using cryptocurrency and i remember prior before we were uh stepping onto this podcast you were saying there are so many ways to move economic value now that you wouldn't really know how funding is being sent towards the ukrainians or to the russians so uh, these sanctions may not be as effective as we hope they would be. Um, I right, and I definitely
0: well, if if you want, if you, if you want me to be sorry, Chris, could could no, you? Hear me? Yeah, right. yeah, I can hear I'm you. a little hear. Sta- I'm getting a little static on my end. Are we? Are we good? We're good. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this has always been happening. In fact, Iran and North Korea have already done. You know this uh, circumvention of sanctions successfully for, for years, right? And they've used cryptocurrencies to do it. In fact, North Korea and Russia now currently have ransomware that allows them to essentially siphon off money from transactions effectively. And all the money lost due to the sanctions are, are essentially reimbursed through that method. So it, it to me, this is just like... People are catching on. You know how typically the military has technology, algorithms, and tech that the public isn't aware of. Yeah, they've already been using it at a very high level. It's just that now it's on display for the world to see. You know,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and we're we're aware of this tech. Like before, it used to be like hush hush, right? But we have the internet now, and people who've you know people who've been in Bitcoin and crypto for a while, they understand that this this type of tech has existed and. It was only a matter of time before people you know with some serious agendas to carry out utilize this sort of technology for for benevolent or nefarious purposes right
1: true, but i i think about I think about this narrative right about use russia using uh or the Russian oligarchs and these very wealthy individuals in Russia bringing economic value back to russia using cryptocurrency but uh I personally don't really subscribe to that like idea that uh, the sanctions won't be as effective because of the existence of cryptocurrency, because Russia itself has been pretty uh, opposed to the idea of decentralized finance being prevalent inside of Russian borders, uh, specifically because when you really think about the grand scheme of it, Russia does a lot to maintain this. Uh, centralized control of economics they're always fighting for that uh economic uh they're always fighting for economic control and the presence of decentralized finance things like cryptocurrency things like blockchain undermine the ability for the economic foundation inside of russia to be able to maintain its control and that's my opinion anyway
0: yes and i agree with you however um when i say The technology, um, I also forgot to mention, but stripped from the moral fiber that once was envisioned by Satoshi Nakamoto. So Russia wouldn't be using a decentralized cryptocurrency or ledger, distributed ledger. They would be using a centralized uh, digital digital ruple, right? And they would maintain control of it but they would have access to all the block transactions. So it would essentially be blockchain technology carried out for nefarious purposes, purposes. right? The exact opposite of what Satoshi Nakamoto envisioned, right? Instead of a decentralized money system, right, where everyone was in, in charge of their own wallets and their own bank accounts and futures, et cetera, in a centralized structure, there's one single centralized arbiter that has access to everyone's information and really, really sensitive information, right? So, I mean, you gotta, you know, you, you know, this was to be expected, right? Yeah. In a sense, yeah. So, you know, it's never, you know, yin and yang, right? It's never fully good, it's never fully bad, but it's somewhere in the middle, right? So you have to take, you have to take it with, you know, a bit of both.
1: I mean, yeah, this is reality. There's the idealized version of how we perceive reality, and there's the reality that and, and, people and are. And by the way, that, that's
0: just me, that's just me, you know, ruminating on, on like the, the moral dilemma, right? The, the grand moral dilemma. But in response, in more of like, you know, a uh, response to what you were saying, yeah, Putin's not going to let that, you know, shit slide, man. No, he's not at s- all. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely, he's like, oh, bet. So how does it, yo, Putin was definitely like, oh, bet. So how does this shit work? really? How about we centralize that shit? And you know what I'm saying? So he was definitely uh, thinking about it a little bit differently. And you know, I think that uh, there's certain countries right now or certain nation states that stand a lot to gain by creating a centralized digital dollar. And so does the US actually, right? And I think USDC, USDC stands a good chance of becoming that centralized dollar, if that makes well, sense.
1: Well, I, I, I remember reading earlier in January uh, that the Federal Reserve has already put out a bunch of um, papers or research papers into developing a central bank digital currency for the Federal Reserve, like that technology to exist. Um, I mean, it's definitely being already investigated globally. Places like the digital yuan in China uh, definitely... Russia will probably implement something like this but focusing more on the nature of the crisis itself and crisis, and not to undermine the very real crisis that is occurring in Ukraine right now. I don't I don't want it to get it uh, misconstrued for the audience at home that there's a very real toll that's happening at, in the world. But when I I look at a crisis like Ukraine, I look at places like uh very large places of struggle and conflict, like in North Africa. I look at places like um, Latin America that don't have really stable uh, economic systems. In some places, like El Salvador or Venezuela, um, I look at places like North Korea. While, like, in, from a not like a government's perspective, but more from like a living standard perspective, these are places that have not been supported by the global macro like economic structures as a whole that really do go to show that these places without a lot of economic stability can lead to decline because the reality is, is that Ukraine, regardless of whether Russia takes it over or if Russia is in due for a longer fight with the support of NATO, they're going to go through a period of economic strife that the Euro, that local Currencies won't be able to necessarily support. So you have things that are independent of nations, things like Bitcoin, things like blockchain, like the blockchain uh, cryptocurrencies that exist right now. Uh, you, these are great examples of why this technology needs to exist or at least has a use case, like you said earlier in the program, that there needs to be this presence of an ind- uh, an independent entity that allows... A equal playing field economically speaking now whether the world as a whole will accept this uh, decentralized in- financial independence has will. it's more of I think. Of a I think how,
0: about, how about this man I, I, I really yes and I think a good way to think about it is decentralized institutions need to exist and in regards to bitcoin I think that could be a very you, you know Probable future Mm -hmm. where a lot of like big, you know, big thinkers in the space like Michael Saylor. um, He specifically mentions Bitcoin as digital energy, right? Instead of digital gold. He says that people don't understand that something that could be used as a world reserve currency by every single, even if every single fucking nation decides, all right, I'm just going to create my own centralized, you know, digital dollar or digital rupee or digital euro, right? Mm -hmm. Even if all of them decide to do that. There has to be an underlying asset class that is a reserve currency. The U.S. dollar is just as inflationary as all the other fiat currencies, even though some of these fiat currencies are really doing wonderland numbers, bro, with with the inflation rate, right? So there has to be some sort of reserve currency that allows there to be actual value in the money, right? And Bitcoin can provide that not only could be can it be a world reserve currency but it can also essentially be a form of digital energy right cuz bitcoin is what realistically it's not it's not just a it's not just a digital piece of gold or like a store of value right yeah it's essentially the world's largest supercomputer decentralized supercomputer right and people forget yeah. that that's what it actually is you know what i mean so what's going to be powering right the the foundation of all these decentralized applications, there has to be one, right? And Bitcoin is the best candidate, the best, right? So people like you know people say stuff like, "Well, uh, Bitcoin, you know, the value will be like this and this. Like if it takes over the mar- market cap of gold." But imagine if it was the basis for the entire internet, right? Like what's the what's the value of that? That's not even like you can't even put a number on that, right? It's it's insane. Not yeah. to mention yeah. the monetary system, right? Um, just everything, right? I think that that's definitely something that people forget. So, it it just ha- going back to your point, it has to have it it ha- must have geopolitical ramifications, right? And I feel like that's what a lot of countries are starting to come to terms with right now, mm-hmm. especially with this. Ukraine, Russia. I mean, it's just it's just a taste, right? Just a little bit, like a piece, you know. But and, um, slowly and, but surely, it's a growing entity, you know, that's yeah. taking over parts of the world.
1: And I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this like before we we sign off. I, I'm thinking about this from like a global macro like perspective. Like, let's say we we always talk about the use case value for Bitcoin, the use case value for uh blockchain as a whole. Five, six, seven years down the line, 2030 comes around, obviously. Um. Ultimately speaking, a majority of people who use the internet today, a lot of people who are spreading social media, are generally born in the last 20 to 25 years, uh, us included. Um, well, 30, but um, we've, the, the dream of cryptocurrency is becoming more and more prevalent as it brushes along with the political like landscape that's slowly and slowly revealing that this instability of our economic system as a whole is starting to create larger class divides. Um, I'm I'm seeing this from an economic perspective, but, uh, and I, this is more of an open-ended question, obviously. Um, we're talking five, six, seven years from now. Do you see more situations like what is happening in Ukraine uh, occurring? And do you see Cryptocurrency becoming more of a headline involved with these global crises, for good or for bad. Um,
0: could you clarify what you mean by good or bad?
1: So like for people's like, for example, like we said that there have been a bunch, a plethora of donations that have been put towards Ukraine in cryptocurrency. Because of the current instability of their economic...
0: No, 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 that that part, yeah. So, I mean, by good or bad, I mean, you don't really know where these donations are coming from.
1: Fair, so, fair,
0: fair, fair. Yeah, yeah, like, like, all we know is the transaction happened. We don't know who sent these transactions. So, a lot of people will actually believe this narrative, right? And I don't, like, I, I know I'm leaving it off on, like, a conspiratorial note. But just think about this. There's a headline that says supporters or, or, you know, people that love the Ukrainian military just donated like $400,000 in, in funds, right? To the Ukrainian military specifically. Um, Sounds kind of a little bit fishy. You know what I mean? What if it was just the U.S. sent $400,000 to aid the Ukrainian military, right? You know what I mean? Like, but it's... it's, it's, it's like painted in a way or i'm just using the us as an example but it's painted in a way that kind of supports the war effort you know what i mean so i want people to be very cognizant of the fact that headlines from any news outlet is are used to portray a certain narrative right and like i think that it's important to understand that we don't know who's sending money with crypto we don't know how russia's uh i'm sorry my bad uh how russia is sending you know money to to the to, to turkey to any other nation state we don't know who's sending money to russia right or the ukrainian military that's why crypto is kind of like a little bit it's an equalizer right we don't know it, who's sending money to who and we we don't know so
1: it's that it's that 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 global system of trust as in we're able to watch everybody but obviously with the anonymous nature of this it grows to show like, you don't know if that wallet's being held down by Mr. George S. But, you know, we don't know. We never know who's involved in these big plays. But I hope to everybody listening at home, I hope you follow the news closely, but not too well, closely.
0: Yeah, yeah. But what we do know is that you guys are awesome for listening to us.
1: Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Um, make sure to stay safe. Tell your people you love them and we'll and, and
0: oh wait wait what, what do we say what do we say we say follow like and subscribe if you haven't already oh yeah and yeah. do that do that thing on tiktok where you do the same thing you you like you follow and subscribe uh you chris what's our it, handle
1: you share it to everybody if you want to go follow us on tiktok if you want to follow us on twitter if you want to follow us on instagram you can follow us it at it's block party i t s b l o c k p a r t y follow us like us and send it to everybody guys. Thank you once again yeah. for listening, and we'll catch you And guys again, again, only
0: do only do that if you actually like us. If you actually like us, engage with us. But if you don't, then you don't have to do anything. This content was free.
1: Actually, no. If you don't like us, tell us that we're whack. Tell us why yeah, we are
0: yeah. <laughs> Roast us. Yeah, Roast ro- us.
1: Please. Please. <laughs> Roast us in us the comments. Better. Help us get better. Roast us alive.
0: Roast us or, or, like, whatever you gotta do, engage with us in some capacity. Right?
1: Love us, hate us, watch us shine. And, uh, well, guys, now, um, we'll we catch up.